Israel rallied his strength and he sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said to me, I'm going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. And then a few verses goes on, tells how uh, Grandpa adopted his two grandsons, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. And then the verse that I'll finish up with in reading this, um, when Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, who are these? They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. And Israel said, bring them to me so that I may bless them. And then if you go on another chapter yet in Genesis, he has his own sons and he pronounces a blessing. Uh, some of it doesn't sound like a blessing, but he has something to say to him before he dies. I want to talk about those folks today because they became what we know as the 12 tribes. And uh, I trust this won't be just a musty old history lesson, but I do want to talk about tribes today and the way God worked through them and in them in uh, the generations that would follow. You'll notice in this passage, I named one man two different ways, Jacob and Israel. There was a man named Jacob who wrestled, uh, we say in a simplified way, wrestled with God in a, in, in, uh, during the night. And after that encounter, he was known as Israel. And his sons, uh, the, the sons and grandsons were known as the children of Israel. And throughout the Old Testament... We see them coming and going and the history, the stories, the places they went, things like wandering in the wilderness, crossing the Red Sea, uh, living close to God, living far away from God. Now, the thing is, these boys that I'm going to mention had kind of a difficult upbringing. They were from four different mothers. There was Mother Leah, who had Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Rachel was the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. Bilah was the mother of Dan and Naphtali. Zilpah was the mother of Gad and Asher. And they had a sister, Dinah. And your assignment this week is to figure out who her mother was. Okay. These 12 tribes of Israel became family groups that descended from Jacob slash Israel and God worked through these tribes to fulfill his purpose. He was beginning to show lessons of the Messiah that was to come. Salvation that was to come. Grace for sinners that was already there in a different way, but was to come. You see, from the tribe of Judah came the kings like David and Solomon David, the psalmist, who wrote about that grace that I am so grateful for. One of my favorite psalm, my favorite psalm is Psalm 25. Oh, Lord, do not remember me because of the sins of my youth, but remember me instead by your love and mercy. The grace that was being prefigured for the Messiah that was coming already in the Old Testament, already among the tribes of Israel. It was already there. 
It's spoken of by the psalmist in a song that you sometimes sing. Uh, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and cast me not away, but draw me close to you. In Psalm 51, after King David had sinned and he was repentant and seeking God's grace. So through the tribes and the generations, God was working to show them the way to go. And it was something that had to be lived. It wasn't something that could just be quickly said, but it had to be prefigured and pointing toward a Messiah. So I'm going to mention more about these tribes. They are mentioned in your Bible in several places. In Genesis 35, in Exodus 28, in Numbers 2 and 3, uh, the tribes are listed or mentioned in First Chronicles, Ezekiel 48, uh, Genesis 49, where the blessing is. And I want to point out that they're also listed in Revelation 7. Revelation, the old tribes are listed there. Well, they sure are. But I want, to, I want you to notice something. I'd like you to notice that some of them in the first list are not listed in the last list. Some of the first twelve are not there in the last list. One of them, the main one that's missing, is the tribe of Dan. Why is the tribe of Dan missing? It could be because back in another Old Testament book named Judges, uh, they were very vocal about uh, not approving the land that God had allocated to them in the promised land. And they took over a little portion of land from another tribe named Naphtali. And after they took over their little portion, they began worshiping idols. They began worshiping other gods. And the tribe of Dan became a symbol of failure. It didn't work. They crashed and burned. And they're missing from Revelation 7. For they failed as one of the tribes. Now, other tribes had different fates. Simeon doesn't have land, but they sort of melt into the rest of the territory. For you see, all the tribes at one point were assigned territory. Some of the tribes had it almost handed to them. Others had to go and conquer it. Simeon sort of melted into the others. So we got a couple missing already, Simeon and Dan. Now, Levi, the tribe of Levi, it points out, was a... Uh, warfaring tribe. And God said, I will calm you down and you will become the priests. And they were assigned, I've, I forgot my numbers here, 24 or 48 cities all throughout the land. And that's where they were to live. They didn't have land like the others. But then there were two boys of Joseph that have been mentioned here in the reading today. Manasseh And Ephraim. And they were given portions of land and they filled in the gaps where there had been two missing. Now Manasseh and Ephraim. Sons of Joseph. They were assigned land. 
Another prominent list of the tribes is in Exodus 28, when God is and Moses is uh, they're setting up the tabernacle. They're appointing a high priest who has uh, ceremonial garb and symbolic things and jewelry like a breastplate with 12 stones. And those 12 stones represent the 12 tribes Um, in numbers two and three. Uh, the tribes, when they marched into the promised land, they had a special way, a place to walk. Things didn't go very well for the tribes. Now, I want you and me to think about that for a minute. Uh, at Christmas time, when your family gathers, you know, sometimes do you say, oh, the whole clan is here. You know, you do that, right? Or the whole family is here. Uh, that's sort of our version of the tribes, I guess. I mean, you know, we all know that the biggest tribe around is the Yoders, you know, right? Okay. Uh, we have these tribes and these clans. I'm going to talk about some modern day clans and tribes in a moment. But today, um, I'd like us to just think back that in the Bible especially through the Old Testament, is the story of generation after generation after generation of clans and tribes. And for some, they were obedient. For many, they were not. And as you read your Bible, don't just think of it in the Old Testament as musty old stuff. Let's get on up here to the New Testament and and, uh, where the Gospels are. The foundation for the coming of Jesus and the Gospels are found back here where the people are trying to live this out. Well, here's what happened. Eventually, after King Solomon died, there was a split and ten of the tribes went up here, up north. Guess what the split was about? You'll never guess. It was about taxes. (laughs) Okay, well, you can look that up. Uh, Anyway, ten of the tribes went up here, and they were called the Northern Kingdom. Two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, stayed more faithful, and they were to the south, sometimes called the Southern Kingdom, and often in the Bible just called Judah. Uh, In retirement, I write a lot of boring books about genealogy and history and so forth. And I love the connections of stories that go back previous generations. Judah and Benjamin are such a collect are such a connection way back in the story of the time when Joseph was being sold into slavery by his brothers. Do you know that story? And then when uh, it came to a, focal point where the brothers and Joseph met again. And when the brothers were sent back to go find father again, after they talked to Joseph in Pharaoh's palace, Joseph had one request other than to take care of his father. He asked about one other person. Do you know who it was? Benjamin. And do you know who stepped up to volunteer or do you know who Joseph asked? To look after Benjamin, Judah. And here we are many years later in the southern kingdom. Guess which two are faithful? Judah and Benjamin. 
I just get a kick out of that. I don't know why, but probably doesn't mean a thing. All right. So anyway. So King David and Jesus, the Messiah, as prophesied, they come from the tribe of Judah. And one other thing, then, about these tribes in the Bible, when you read books like, say, the book of Judges, always think of a clock. At 12 o'clock, the people of God are close to God. And then they get to wandering around and going places, and the hand moves down, and they begin to move away from God. And they get over here to 1215, And they're getting further from God and it gets worse and worse in the life of the tribes of Israel. And you get down here to 30 past the hour and they're at the bottom. They're as far away from God as you can be. And then the prophets like Micah and Hosea and Ezekiel and others try to call the people back. When you open your Bibles in the Old Testament and if you have a study Bible, look at the front and see what the prophet is trying to say and to which kingdom and to which tribes. And then it'll it'll make a little more sense. But they'll call the people back to God and the hand keeps moving up and they get closer to God. And at 45 past the hour, we're moving back towards God. And finally, after generations, there they are again at the top. That's the judge's clock and the Old Testament clock. It keeps moving like that. I wonder if that sounds familiar now. Does it sound familiar in your clan, in our nation, in the nations of the world? Revival comes and the clock goes up. It just seems to never end. And it continues. Well, I've gone through that and talked about that today because I want to talk to you about other nations that I like to visit and I like to talk about. I like to visit about the people of northeast Arizona, uh, the Navajo and the Hopi people, and a word or two about the Zuni people as well. The terms of Tribes and nations and clans is very real this morning in Arizona and the, among these nations. The Navajo Nation um, at the last census showed about 300,000 people with 175,000 or so living on the reservation. Um, I... Um, I have to say, however, you're going to find newspaper articles that will say uh, 400 to 500,000 Navajos. But that happens to be after the government started uh, dumping money with COVID relief. Lots of people suddenly wanted to be Navajo. Okay, so but uh, in, in real life, we'd say 300,000 or so, 175,000 on the reservation. The Hopi people, the Hopi nation is about 20,000. And then there are nearby um, about 7,000. So uh, I have just a few pictures that my grandson Caleb uh, fixed up for me. And uh, we'll look at the first one up here, the way it looks out the train window. My pictures are blurry. Uh, The phone is old. Uh, If Pat will let me, I'll get a new one. uh, uh, But on the way to Arizona 
and I go there on Amtrak, and and I and I uh, am a volunteer fundraiser and all-around cheerleader for a mission organization called Across Nations. Across Nations is located in uh, uh, Window Rock, Arizona, uh, right on the line with New Mexico, and. Uh, uh, it is also the uh, Navajo capital and the place where the Navajo Supreme Court is. And then from there, if you know where Flagstaff, Arizona is, if you go north and east from Flagstaff, uh, we look for a place on a more detailed Arizona map of first, second and third Mesa. And that would be where the Hopi people live. Uh, the Navajo reservation is very large like this. And in the middle of the not or somewhere within the Navajo reservation is this. And that's the Hopi reservation inside the Navajo reservation. And uh, there in history, um, the Navajo people were uh, a warring tribe and they chased the Hopi people. The Hopi people did used to live down on the desert floor and they chased the Hopi people uh, through the decades and the centuries until the Hopi people have ended up up on top of the mesas to get away from the Navajo. And so that is the uh, history or the tradition behind why uh, we talk about Hopi nation being on first, second and third mesa. Um, so uh, that's some of what you'll find in um, uh, the land of Arizona across nations ministry. Uh, has a Christian school, a bookstore, and believe it or not, I like to talk about radio stations. Uh, that used to be in my past as well. And uh, I'd like to talk about uh, people who uh, are working on these radio stations, and we are trying to broadcast to Hopi and Navajo people and a little bit in Zuni as well, and on five or six radio stations and uh, there's a picture here of uh, Jenny, uh, Navajo Christian woman, and she is in Window Rock, Arizona, actually across the street in Tizi Bonito, New Mexico. But uh, we say Window Rock because it's in the that's the big town. And she is in a main studio and she's talking to five radio stations at once, uh, you know, when it's time for the weather forecast and so forth. But then each station located in other places, they break away and do their own thing as well. There are radio stations in Tuba City and Window Rock and Navajo Mountain and southern Utah. And we're building a sixth one in Palaka, Arizona. And there's a picture of a studio here that's uh, being built. And if you'll notice these, uh, uh, I don't know if you can see that or not, but the studio is being made out of shipping containers all tied together. And uh, that's a main studio. And there's a picture of a guy who's doing the building. And this fellow is a guy that I worked for in college in a radio station and also in Nebraska in a radio station. And my friend Terry is an owner and operator of radio stations in Bend, Oregon. He's building this as a volunteer. He's overseeing uh, the upgrading of the stations and uh, working on the Navajo uh, or on the main studio there in Window Rock. Terry Cowan has a grandfather from Birch Tree, Missouri, where Linda Eagleson grew up. And so there's some interesting connection there as well. The message of these radio stations is the same message that 
that was being lived out among the tribes of Israel. That Jesus is our redeemer, that Jesus is the uh, is the gift of mercy and grace. And the Navajo and the Hopi people and the native people, they need something so badly. They need to know that there is a place for them. I don't know quite how to describe it in our white world, but somehow they need to know. Letters come to the radio stations because uh, the traditional Navajo and especially Hopi is so very strong that if one hears the message, one is very reluctant to ever talk about leaving. You will be shunned. You will be ostracized. Uh, For the most part, you will not be allowed to be buried in the traditional burying grounds. You will have to go over to a Christian mission where they have a cemetery provided for Christians who are no longer traditional. You have to be buried there. You can't be buried with your people. There is there is a mission at Kokotsmovi, Arizona, where Mennonites have been working there in a school for 110 years. And uh, when the United States government allocated land for that school many, many years ago. They did a double portion because the United States government said you can have a school and a mission here, but you have to set this aside to be a burial ground. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of Navajo and Hopi people, Christians buried there because they are not allowed to be buried in their traditional ground. It costs Dearly to become a Christian in Hopi land. There are many, many, many Navajo Christians. There are fewer, much fewer. I don't know what the right word to say is of Hopi Christians. And the radio uh, broadcast ministry is a special way that we can reach people who will not be seen going into a church house. They are afraid to go to a church house. And um, now that's not the case with everybody in Hopi land. There are families who part of them are Christians, part of them are not. They still coexist and they get along. So I don't want to give the wrong idea. However, uh, I want you to know there are letters that come to the radio stations. I want to be a Christian, but I am Hopi. What do I do? And uh, so uh, the the need is, um, even though it's in Arizona, even though it's in your own nation, uh, the the resistance against the ministry of Jesus is so strong right there, right here in our own land. I also want to talk about uh, the people who go and serve there. Fifty-three years ago, I was a college freshman at Navajo Gospel Mission. And I was supposed to be a basketball coach and a teacher's aide for a while. And uh, I never forgot that experience. It stayed in here. And then uh, about 30 years ago, after we left Sycamore Grove, we went to Greeley Mennonite Church. And at that church, we started doing short-term mission trips to Navajo land. And um, 
There was a young couple who went with us. Uh, on the next picture, you'll see uh, they're at quite a distance, but that's Russ and Cindy. And this morning, Russ is sitting inside that building uh, around uh, some chairs and a few benches. And he is reading the Bible this morning to Hopi, mostly grandmas and children. And uh, right behind that church building, off over here, up on top of the mesa, is the village of Haute Villa. And it's a very traditional village. They hate that church. Uh, many of the people who live in that village. Uh, it's not uncommon for Russ, uh, when I was there six weeks ago, uh, not uncommon uh, for this to happen. I went into the, he said, let's go over to the church. And we go in there. I said, why is that plywood on that window. He said, oh, it happened again. And there's a road down below and somebody drives and they'd like to throw rocks through the window. Uh, they they do they do things, whatever they can do to discourage. And they sometimes uh, say to Russ, we can't take that land from you, but we can block the road for you to get to that land. You know, they make threats and so on. They don't like people leaving the uh, traditional what I call old Hopi ways, which sometimes gets romanticized on television, and it's not romantic at all, uh, but it is very much at odds with, uh, with, with the grace of Jesus. And it's very hard to figure out how families are going to live when someone uh, comes to Christ. So uh, Russ and Cindy were a young couple on their first mission trip from Greeley Mennonite Church. And um, they were captivated by this whole business. And it took about seven years from there for them to process different things. But Russ and Cindy have now been at Bakavi Mennonite Church for 26 years. And uh, Russ learned early, when you go to minister to the Navajo and Hopi people, if you're white, The most powerful message that you can give is not that you love them, is not that you have money, is not that you have new clothes. It is that you will not leave, that you will stay. And Russ was a fireman and a paramedic in Greeley, Colorado, raising a young family. And Russ and Cindy said, we will go. And we will never leave. And they're still there. So people are needed to go to places like Hopi land and Navajo land. But it's a big thing to give your whole life to it. And uh, that's where they are today. I almost am reluctant to say to you, If there's somebody here that ever thinks that God would call you to that place, that's a dangerous call. You will never come back if you do it right. And Russ and Cindy have done it right. Uh, Russ and Cindy are not connected to the radio stations that I raise funds for, but they're going to live. They live nearby and we're getting ready to build a new radio station in a place called Palaka, Arizona. And Russ will be, uh, he, he doesn't, he's not a mission worker with Across Nations, but he's with that congregation and they work together. And he will uh, sometimes 
be doing some things with the radio station as well. The Navajo and Hopi nations are not the tribes of the Bible. They're, uh, I would never say they were the lost tribes or anything. You know, sometimes people make things up like that. But they are tribes of people that have made choices. There are so many wonderful, vibrant Native American Christians. Uh, I stood at the Christian school that day in Wendell Rock and watched the moms pull up in their pickups and their cars, picking up the kids at the Christian school. They are so happy for this Christian school. They work hard to have money to pay the tuition. One thing that's needed at Wendell Rock is teachers. And we need to figure out a way to have young people getting teaching credentials and churches paying their school debt so they can go and stay there. Uh, we need nurses there. We need people that want to work in radio stations and, uh, and, and do those sorts of things. I do raise funds for uh, the radio stations. If you're interested, I've got this sheet up here of all these hundreds of thousands of dollars this cost. And if you're interested, I'll be glad to give one to you. But actually, today, I'm more comfortable talking about, I wonder if there's anybody around that could figure out how to send somebody who's got a call there. Because people need to go and need to stay. It's been a wonderful testimony of, uh, of across nations and other organizations. And uh, it's making headway. There are some missions and some ministers who have literally been escorted off the reservation. And I'm convinced because it's they were too effective. They have been wonderfully effective. It is an amazing array of people on the Navajo Reservation and the Hopi Reservation. There are people like us country white people. There are Korean Baptists there. There are all kinds of people ministering to the Navajo and the Hopi nations. Well, today uh, I wanted to talk about those tribes and somehow uh, learn about how they think and operate by also looking back in the Old Testament at how the tribes of Israel operated. Some of them came close to God. Some of them pushed them away. And... uh, they have reaped the consequences as well. I don't know how good this picture is uh, and the audio, um, but I've got this little clip of a Navajo pastor reading John 3.16. And in a, in a moment, we'll finish up with that. But I want to say a word about the radio stations. They're about half native language, half English And uh, I don't know how familiar you are with gospel radio, but the favorite thing, some of the things get translated into Hopi, like uh, J. Vernon McGee and Through the Bible. And uh, another favorite in English there is David Jeremiah, uh, Focus on the Family type programs. And then the other half is made up mostly of Navajo and Hopi ministers uh, speaking to their people. And that's really what we're trying to do is get more and more of the native uh, people speaking to uh, in their in their own language. And uh, however, uh, you need to know that younger generations 
of Navajo and Hopi are more comfortable in English than they are in the Navajo. So it's a it's a thing like this come and go. Um, But uh, it is a wonderful thing to stand in the radio station and to hear the English of the Navajo pastor. And invariably, the Navajo pastors talk to their people uh, with Bible lessons. But invariably, they 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 talk about family. Family, fathers, please quit drinking. Uh, Young adults, please leave the meth alone. Do not go to those trailer houses where the meth is sold. Uh, The destruction of the family is the enormous, enormous problem. There are more adult men die of unnatural causes than natural causes on the Navajo reservation. Alcoholism is horrific. And uh, that is part of what the ministry is about. So it's so encouraging for missionaries to hear the Navajo and the Hopi talking to their people in their own language. Let's just see if we can hear this clip. American Bible Society, New Testament of Hopi, I mean, uh, Navajo and English uh, columns side by side. So when we dismiss today, if you want to come and take a look over here, uh, you might be more interested in this. This is Hopi Cookbook, okay? And uh, it has interesting stuff with blue flower and all that sort of thing as well. So um, I have a new appreciation uh, whenever I rub elbows with the Hopi and Navajo people. Uh, I have a new appreciation for uh, reading about uh, tribes of the Old Testament and how they listened to God or did not. And we can see that played out right here in our community, but also in Navajo and Hopi land. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, this morning for uh, all the people that you have uh, given life and breath to. We are grateful today for the Navajo Nation and the Hopi Nation and all the others. We are grateful for the people in all the states and all around the world. Lord, uh, above all, we give thanks for the love and mercy of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we pray for those who are uh, laboring and volunteering and teaching and preaching and uh, leading today among the nations, among the tribes. We give thanks for people like Russ and Cindy who've given their lives. And we pray that you will encourage them and bless them and sustain them uh, today and in the days ahead. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I need to say, uh, see, John, you're... uh